Welcome to the Special Needs Kids Are People Too podcast with Amy Bodkin, EDS. Amy is an autistic adult who also happens to be a school psychologist turned special needs consultant and public speaker. She's also a homeschooling mom to two autistic kiddos, a yoga instructor, a card-carrying Trekkie, and an all-around fun person. And last but not least, Amy is an advocate for seeing every child as a person, not a diagnosis. Because a special needs kid is just like any other child, just more so. Here's Amy Bodkin. Hi, I'm Amy Bodkin, coming to you from the blanket fort in my office, and welcome to Special Needs Kids Are People Too. We are going to be continuing our series of Q&As this week. This particular set of questions really focuses a lot on burnout. Without further ado, Jordan asks, How do you keep yourself out of burnout and meltdown when using all your energy accommodating and advocating for your autistic kids? This isn't about competing needs per se, though that is part of it, but rather internalizing the very ableism one is trying to avoid, simply to advocate and its effect on the autistic parent. And what suggestions are there for multiple neurodivergent kids, especially those who also have medical concerns? I find there tends to be a lot of, it's just autism, or if the ADHD were medicated, or insert medical condition type of ableism that prevents accessibility and medical assistance, or your kid is too smart or gifted for this to be an issue, if only they tried harder. I know because my own kids present very differently and have very different types of needs with some overlap that I frequently run into functioning labels to dismiss challenges or medical concerns that affect education. That was a very important question. It's something that I find particularly challenging myself because I'm an autistic adult myself, parenting to autistic children. We have a wide variety of learning differences and medical needs many of which are not well understood, and it makes it very difficult. I specifically remember when my daughter was little, being told by our doctor when I presented a medical concern to him that it's just autism. Turns out it wasn't. She had undiagnosed celiac disease. And that is something we are going to be talking about next season on the podcast a lot. We are going to be focusing on medical issues and autism and advocacy and all of those kinds of things because that is something I am in the middle of right now. And I'm seeing so many challenges that are not being addressed. But we're going to give a little bit of that a little bit of time. We're going to save some of that discussion for later when I'm able to have a little bit more perspective on how we might be able to support families better. In the meantime, though, let's focus on Jordan's question. What can we do for ourselves? So yes, burnout is huge. A lot of autistic adults end up in burnout by the time they're in their early 20s. Parenting will definitely send you into burnout quickly if you aren't careful because you are taking care of other people's needs. There's a lot more sensory input too. But where burnout becomes a huge issue is where it impacts the burden of advocacy. We want to advocate for our children because we want them to have the best possible situation that we can manage. But advocacy is a burden. It's hard work. It involves sometimes putting aside your own needs so that you can advocate. Sometimes it's knowing when to prioritize your own needs so that you can advocate. 
But it's not just about fighting for our children to get appropriate care, though that is definitely a huge part of it. It's also having to interact with a neurotypical system. So when I'm dealing with medical issues for myself or for my kids, especially when it's my kids because I'm advocating for them instead, there is the pressure to try and make sure that their needs and their symptoms are being caught, um, that we're asking the right questions. But there's also the double burden that I have to translate every single thing I say and every single thing the doctor says for myself. I am listening to the words coming out of their mouths and going, okay, what do they mean by that? And then I'm thinking, okay, this is how I feel. These are the concerns I have. How do I put that into words? Because I'm more of a visual thinker. And so there is a series of translations that has to happen for me to be able to even communicate. And quite honestly, This is probably one of the reasons it has taken so far nine months for them to still not know what's wrong with me medically is because as an autistic adult, especially an autistic female, I'm rather gifted at masking. And even when I don't feel well, a lot of times that comes second nature because we've learned that in order to survive in this world, you have to wear a mask. And it's not right. It's it's not right at all. And quite honestly, it's really dangerous for us to continue with that. So it's honestly something we need to drop. I feel like I've done a better job of helping my kids learn to drop it, but it's a lot harder to drop it yourself when that's the habit you've gotten into, when that's how you cope. So that's a real challenge. I think the first thing that we can do as far as like moving forward and supporting our kids I think the first thing that we can do is anytime you go see a doctor, a professional of some kind that has letters after their name that says, you know, you should trust me because I'm a professional. If they dismiss your concerns and say, oh, it's just autism in any way, that doctor or professional does not deserve to work with your family. You need someone that you can communicate with. You need someone who can listen and take your concerns seriously. I don't understand why, for some reason it seems, that if a doctor doesn't have the right answer to a problem, the answer isn't that we don't know. The answer is, mom must be crazy. I've heard that so many times in my own experience and then also from other parents' experiences. The answer is not, mom must be crazy. Very, very rarely is the answer, mom is crazy. Most of the time, mom's picking up on something that nobody else has caught yet. My favorite doctor in the entire world told me the first time I came into his office, if mom says something's wrong, we look until we find it. And I so appreciated that at the time because I had had so many doctors blowing me off. And this was the doctor who discovered that my kids had undiagnosed celiac disease that was causing major immune issues. Which, by the way, celiac disease in children goes undiagnosed 95% of the time. Our diagnostic tools are really not very good if we're missing 95% of kids. Of course, not letting doctors treat your family or not dealing with professionals who don't take your concerns seriously, it does come with a big cost. The cost of trying multiple doctors, going out of network if necessary. Um, The fact that it takes longer and more testing to be able to find problems because you're not presenting the way they expect or they're not listening the first time. Cost is a huge expense. Many parents who have autistic children or other children with other disabilities run into this. Anytime you have something for special needs kids, the cost goes up 300% immediately just because of the name. 
What I find often ends up helping me when I cannot get cooperation from other professionals, or usually I can get cooperation, it's just it takes me a little while to find somebody who will help me. So in the meantime, one of the things that I do is I make great use of alternative medicine because I've learned that if I can listen to my body and find people who can help me support my health to the best it can be, that a lot of times I'm able to at least limp along until we find somebody who can really listen and see and hear what I'm trying to say. And that's the case this time. I have been seeing uh, massage therapist, chiropractor, acupuncturist. I've been very careful about what I'm eating, what kind of movements I'm doing, all of those kinds of things. Uh, And also being careful about what kind of supplements my body might be needing at this moment. And that's what I've been doing for the last nine months that no one's been able to figure out what's going on with me. That's nine months of having a serious health issue with no treatment. Nine months. That's ridiculous. I've been tested for cancer five times in nine months, but no diagnosis and no treatment. And if I didn't work for myself, I would have been fired by this point. People need to be aware. Professionals and systems do not serve people. What they do is they help us bypass the problems of people. So our our professionals, our medical professionals and other professionals you interact with, they need to be aware of this situation because it is a problem. But odds are that's not going to help you right here, right now. What's going to help you right here, right now? um, If you can get an HSA for your insurance where you have a medical savings plan, that can be a huge help because it puts a lot of the power in your hands of who am I going to see? How am I going to make use of these resources? It also puts power in your hands to go see more alternative medicine or naturally-minded doctors, which a lot of times they don't make use of many labs, often, not always. And because of that, they're in a position to be able to listen more with their eyes and their ears and their whole body and try to see, okay, what are we missing? Many, many, many autistic adults say that they find better help from alternative medicine than they do from traditional medicine. And I do not think it's that traditional or modern medicine doesn't have anything to contribute. I think it's that communication is a lot harder with modern medicine because it's part of a system and systems are designed for neurotypical people to access, not neurodivergent people. It doesn't allow for that individuality, those unique needs. Another thing you could do, make best friends with the front desk staff. No matter where you're going, the front desk staff needs to be your BFF because the front desk staff has a whole lot more power than maybe sometimes we give them credit for. If you need to get in, if you need a cancellation, they're the ones who can help you out with that. If you're confused about what's going on, they can connect you with the person that can help explain that or solve the problem. And then a third thing you could do is to bring along an advocate for yourself. I have brought along an advocate quite a few times the last nine months. Oftentimes I'll bring my husband because he can read my behaviors better than anybody else. I was actually told in the hospital after having my daughter, I broke my tailbone, I'm pretty sure of it. We have evidence later on saying that I did. But at the time I told them I was really suffering and they told me I was fine and that they told my husband, do not help her. She needs to do this for herself. And he did not listen to them because he knew what I look like when I'm in a lot of pain. And so I did not get any assistance from them at all. And it was because of their perception of my pain, not because 
of my actual pain. So having somebody who can read your body language and can understand you a little bit more fluently is really helpful. I have also at times brought along a good friend of mine whose husband is a surgeon. I especially like to bring her along when I have to meet with a surgeon. If it's a plastic surgeon like I use when I've had melanoma, that's not as big of a deal. Their people skills are usually pretty decent and they usually make me feel really comfortable and I'm not really stressed out being there. But when I see a more standard type surgeon, usually I have a lot more communication problems than I do with just general practice doctors. And I would say that's probably the case when dealing with like retinal specialty versus your standard ophthalmologist. The more specialized you get, usually the more communication problems I'll have with those professionals. They're still useful. I'm not trying to say I don't want surgeons around or I don't want retinal specialists around. They're helpful. It's just I know that in those kinds of situations, I'm going to need more help because we're clearly not even close to speaking the same language. Uh, I'm also more inclined to take along an advocate if I'm not feeling well because my ability to advocate for myself or for the kids diminishes as I start to feel less well. So that's another thing to think about. We also try to be very upfront and honest when we walk into a place. Like when we walk into the kid's orthodontist, it's everybody knows we're there. It's like some kind of a circus has come to town because we're just kind of all over the place being ourselves. And thankfully, they're okay with that. (laughs) But when we can be honest about who we are, how we're showing up in the world, what our strengths are, what our needs are, that helps a lot. One other thing that helps me a lot that I don't think this would help many other people is that I have this background in school psychology. And there are times where I have a little bit of trouble with somebody and I will throw around my degree and experience. You know, this is why I'm concerned because X, Y, Z. And a lot of times people are less likely to stand against me because they realize that they're dealing with somebody who knows her stuff and they better really know their stuff if they're going to fight me on that. So well educating yourself on the research is important. That that definitely is helpful. I also find it really helpful to try and take more of a meditative approach Because if I go into that appointment and I'm already emotional or stressed out, then I'm not going to be very effective. But if I can take some time beforehand to do a little self-care, to do a little bit of meditation, and to kind of help myself view what I'm doing as if I'm watching from outside my body, I find that I'm a little bit less stressed and at a little bit better place personally. And really honestly, advocating for your kids, avoiding burnout in advocating for your kids, avoiding burnout and advocating for yourself, all of that comes down to helping you be your best self. If you you don't want to show up to one of these appointments not having eaten and just having a huge cup of coffee, that's not going to help you at all. You don't want to show up to a meeting or an appointment like that without having had enough sleep. Any one of those kinds of things being off can throw off the whole thing. So we've got to go in with our A game. And so if we're going in with our A game, then We've prepped for this at least a day before, making sure we've taken downtime, de-stressed, meditation, eat right, sleep well, whatever it takes. Each person's a little bit different in what helps them. 
And if for some reason we're not going in with our A game, that's when I try to see if I can have an advocate. If I can have someone come with me to advocate, that's that's my preference. If you know in advance that you've got some kind of major stressor going on and it's going to be really hard for you to advocate in a few days, then sometimes it's worth calling up and rescheduling the appointment. Sometimes it's worth calling up about the appointment and saying, hey, I know we have to have this appointment. I just wanted to let you guys know I'm doing the very best I can, but I'm not feeling great. I'm not sick, but I'm not feeling great. And I may bring along an extra person to help me. Or could we change our time of our appointment? Sometimes the time of day makes a huge difference. For some of us who have a hard time getting up in the morning, late afternoon appointments are great because it allows us to get as much sleep as needed possible. For other people, it helps if we do it first thing because there's less that could have happened during the day to derail everything. Those are some of the things that I do. Um, There's a lot of other different things you can do, but I really think a lot of it comes down to being aware of your own needs and making sure that you're trying to come in there with your A game, not allowing other people to dismiss your concerns and making sure you develop a really good team. It's been about nine months since all my health problems really started back up again. And in that time, I have developed a really good team. There, there's a couple couple slots I'm still waiting to fill. But for the most part, they are really good professionals that not only are good at what they do, but most importantly, they seem to be able to understand me. And I can tell. I chose to see the chiropractor I see, not because he's on my insurance, because he's not. I chose to see him because I can communicate with him without stressing myself out. I have an ophthalmologist. He is wonderful. And what I like most about him is that it's easy for me to communicate with him and he does not get thrown off by my unusual allergies. So finding those kinds of people are worth it, but it does take some time and energy to do that. So it's not something you want to be having to do all of the time or all at once. You want to be able to kind of spread that out so that you don't take too much of a toll. And we talked about this a little bit in a previous episode. You really have to think about all right, what are our primary needs? Let's focus on the big ones first. Like the big one for this person, the big one for that person. Like what are the ones that are really most important? Deal with those first. Put the others on a list. Okay, so I've got a great eye doctor. I've got a great OBGYN. I've got a great dermatologist. Okay, but I need a new rheumatologist. So let's work on that next. Or I may have a whole list of other professionals that I need. Okay, which one's the one I need first? Start there. And a lot of times, especially when you're dealing with medical fields, once you find one doctor that you like, ask them for recommendations for other professionals that they've worked with. Because a lot of times they all kind of know each other. And it seems like you tend to find these professionals who all tend to work with the weird people. That's that's how I like to think of it anyways. So a lot of the doctors that I have right now are doctors that all have worked with each other in different forms. And that does help a lot. It it at least keeps you from having to go back to the drawing board, going through the list of doctors covered by your insurance. Now, another option that you might have, you can call your insurance company and ask for a gap exception. That's what it's usually called, I believe. We got one of those when my kids were younger. And what that means is, is there's a gap in their coverage. So either it's a gap in their coverage because of distance, maybe there's not someone within a reasonable distance, or perhaps they don't have someone who's special 
specialized in the area that you need a specialty in. We had this issue with speech therapy, which you wouldn't think you would have because speech therapy is a relatively common thing to be able to get. But my youngest had a very unique language deficit and all of the speech therapists we tried could not pinpoint it. So we got a gap exception to see somebody out of network. So if you can make that argument, especially if you have insurance through work and you have a human resource department that can work with you to fight the insurance company to get that gap exception, it can be well worth it. That's one way of doing it. We've primarily chosen to use our HSA because getting a gap exception is not easily done. And the HSA really frees us up. We put the max amount we can put in to our HSA every year. And we have no problem with spending our HSA because I have plenty of health problems to keep us busy. (laughs) So those are some of the things that I would recommend doing to be able to support yourself as you're trying to advocate for your own kids, especially when it comes to medical, but honestly, any system you have to advocate for your kids with. Are you homeschooling a student or want to be homeschooling a student who learns a little different from the average student? I'd highly recommend checking out a Charlotte Mason Plenary. A Charlotte Mason Plenary is a homeschool company focused on the philosophy of Charlotte Mason. Charlotte Mason was an educational philosopher in the late 1800s, early 1900s, who recognized the importance of not just educating a child body and mind, but also educating them as a whole person with a diet rich in the humanities, the studies of what makes us better human beings. It is not enough to know everything. You also have to know how to use that knowledge in a way that contributes positively to the world. A Charlotte Mason plenary has all sorts of resources for helping you do Charlotte Mason your way. We also have form guides over there that allow you to plan a customized curriculum in three easy steps. And I even partnered with the Charlotte Mason Plenary to create a developmental form guide that goes with these guides that explains to you where to place your child and how to make all sorts of adaptations for different types of learners. Go check it out at cmplenary.com. You want to be able to find doctors or other professionals that you can communicate with that will listen to your concerns and not dismiss you. You want to work to have a good team of people who can help you. Getting an HSA can be really helpful because it gives you options for going out of network or getting working to get a gap exception and also making the front desk staff your BFF. And finally, most important, making sure that you're taking care of yourself. We've got a plan ahead to bring our A-game. And that means sometimes not just taking care of ourselves, but figuring out what needs we need to meet for our kids moving forward to make that situation as easy as possible. And sometimes that means what tools do I need to bring with me? I used to take my kids a special toy bag full of toys they hadn't seen to the doctor's office. I would bring them a bag of snacks and a cup of water. Like we were moving in when we would go to the doctor's office because I wanted to make sure we had everything with us to make that experience as easy as possible. So a lot of it is planning ahead and also building relationships, not just with doctors, but with friends who can help you with the front desk staff, all of those things. Hopefully that helps you some. It's it's not easy. 
It, it really isn't. But we can make it easier. It just takes a little bit of planning ahead and problem solving skills. What resources do I have? What can I bring with me? What tools could I put to my advantage? And sometimes figuring out what tools will help you, sometimes that involves talking with a friend because sometimes we can't look outside of our own situation to think of those creative solutions. And really, that's the advantage of my special needs membership group. With the special needs membership group, you have access to me and a lot of other moms and parents that are in the same group so that when these kinds of situations come up, you've got a whole team of people that you can brainstorm with and get support. And we all need support at some point, whether we have a diagnosis or not. It's just that when we are neurodivergent and have a diagnosis ourselves, it's one extra roadblock that can sometimes appear in our way that we have to find a way to work around or to get through. And it does make it harder, but it's not completely insurmountable. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to being with you guys next time. We hope you had fun listening to today's episode and gained some new insights into the wonderful variety of people in our world. You can find out more about Amy's advocacy work at amybodkin.com. And remember, special needs kids are people too.